Um, Nathan wanted us to speak while he was away about a Jesus-centred life. What is our life like uh, in our work sites and places? So you heard Mark last week and this week you got me. So I'm going to be a little bit liberal here and I'm going to actually play a secular song that I quite like, which has had a, quite a significant impact on my life. So we're just going to watch that. It's called The Streets of London. That uh, song has been around since the 1970s, but it had impacted on my life quite significantly. I come from an atheist family, have no interest in religion whatsoever, and I come from a, what I would call an upper middle class family. We live in Melbourne, and my brother had dyslexia, so because of his dyslexia, there was no schools that seemed to cater it for it in the state system. The teachers just said, my son, my brother was a dull kid and he won't amount to anything. So my parents being teachers thought, no, nah, let's go and find a school. And they found a school that catered for his needs. And that was Kerry Baptist Grammar School. So it's, it's a, it is one of the elite schools in Melbourne. Um, but they actually catered for his needs. They knew that he would not be good at English, but he was great at maths, physics, chemistry, all of that sort of thing. So because Neil went to Kerry Baptist Grammar School, Glenn went to Kerry Baptist School, my other brother, and then I went to Kerry Baptist Grammar School. And one of the things that I certainly learnt while I was there at the school is there is a very big difference. There are those that have plenty and those that have very little. And I really struggled with that during my teenage years. I became a Christian in my teenage years, partly because of the school and partly because my parents thought that I was a ratbag. They sent me to my cousin's church for moral guidance. And it's through those two connections that I came to know Jesus and, be, and gave my life to him. When I was 16, or... Actually, since I was six, up until or about now, my dream has always been to be a commercial pilot and to fly for the airlines. When I was 16, I had to do a week of work experience. And of course, airlines don't want a kid sitting in the cockpit of an airliner. So I could never get work experience in with an airline. So a friend of mine, she said, she did her work experience at this place called St Mark's Anglican Church in Fitzroy. So I did my one week work experience there. And that opened my eyes to a very, very different world. Uh, like here, they had a food distribution, so they would give food to the poor and people that really struggled. They had this community, there was always these old alcoholics and they would gather in the, in the hall at St Mark's uh, and it, they would just play cards all day and they would sit there just playing cards, talking to each other. And the thing that amazed me is I, you could see their fingers, all the horrible yellow nicotine stains of the constant smoking of cigarettes. And that was their life, that was their place in the world. Some of them were offered cheap accommodation uh, for their bed sitters, which is one room plus a bit of a kitchen, at, at that time, $120 a week. 
You could get a three bedroom house in Doncaster for 120 bucks a week. So you could have a much bigger house, much nicer lifestyle out at Doncaster, which is a pretty good suburb. Uh, these days, properties go for a million, two million, three million dollars. Um, they could move there, but if they moved out there, they were lonely. They were not part of their community. They wanted to stay in their community. So they would prefer to pay higher rents and higher prices to stay in their community around here at St Mark's. Uh, that impacted me. The guy who ran it, it was a, a social worker. His name is Peter Burke. And about five years ago, maybe even seven years ago, he migrated from Melbourne over here to Adelaide and he is the CEO of the Magdalen Centre here in the city. My desire, of course, was to fly aeroplanes. I love flying. It's a great way to go. Um, and I did actually get my commercial pilot's licence. And I, to get hours, I wandered up to Darwin to get there. On the way, I went to a place, Catherine, and I was hanging around Catherine looking for work and there was no work, and I bumped into this guy called Barry Peters. He was a, a Christian guy. He was a busker, so he would spend his time just playing music to get enough money to get by that day. He and I had a really great friendship, and when I returned to Melbourne, he introduced me to what's called city life. It was a little bit different to a normal church. I uh, didn't actually have worship on a Sunday. We would actually gather on Wednesday nights for a Bible study. And the people that were there are people that would not normally come into a church. There were buskers. There were kids that were homeless. There were kids that were, had drug problems. Uh, there were people with mental health problems. There were people that had been in and out of prison. So if you look at that photo there, those real rat-baggy type looking cool kids, um, Kevin, who's on the right, he used to have a drug problem, a major drug problem, but he was a fantastic musician. His now wife is Becky, which is on the, the left-hand side, and that's their child. Um, she had high levels of anxiety and suffering, and yet they came to know Jesus. And Sharon, who's there in the, on the left as well, uh, she had schizophrenia and suffered. And that rat bag is, would you believe this really, a bit trimmed these days sort of person. <laughs> um, what I found fascinating about this particular group, City Life, is that it was trying to reach people who were struggling people who were suffering. Um, it was actually funded by all the churches in the CBD in the city and they realised that there was a group of people who would never ever enter their church buildings and so they funded a guy called Peter. Oh, the guy at the top there is Barry. That's the guy who introduced me to City Life. Um, they were there to try and talk to people on the streets to be available for people that were hurting who had no one to turn to. And they were there also to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to teach people about uh, doing that sort of thing. Anyway, my dream of flying was always in the background and I love flying a lot. 
but I had this uh, religious experience that said, who is your God? Is it flying or is it Jesus? And I struggled with this and I just thought, you know, what am I going to do? And eventually I came to the conclusion that, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Yes, I will follow you. And then uh, God told me to give up flying. He said, I want you to go into ministry. Uh, so that was a very tough decision. Ah. Don't mind the emotions, it's always been like that. But I felt called into ministry. So I actually gave up flying and I went into Bible college and I was a Baptist entrant at Whitley College, which is uh, the Baptist Theological College. And guess what? They actually do joint stuff with the Churches of Christ Theological College. And Alan Niven, one of my lecturers there, nagged me and said, you should become a minister within Churches of Christ. And I'm going, who's Churches of Christ? Never heard of them before. Um, and anyway, I said, okay, I'll do your history. And you know what? Here I am worshipping here in Churches of Christ. And it's all because of Ellen, I think. Um, with this sense of call to ministry, and as I was finishing my theological degrees, I became a lead tenant for homeless teenagers. So what that involved is, is a non-government organisation had this house in Fairfield. It had three bedrooms. So I'd have two teenage guys that would have been homeless living there and me living there as a, a role model. Um, and I was there four days a week and then my counterpart was also would come in then for four days. So it was four days on, four days off. And we would just be there as role models to try and help these kids to have a bit of a sense of what is normal life and what it means to look after a house and what it means to try and look for work or study or do something like that. Uh, it was hard work, but that was okay. Did that for a while. When Beck and I got married, we did a similar thing. We we were married for a year and we lived in our home in Bayswater North. And then after that year, I bumped into a guy called Peter Chapman who um, actually was the, the chaplain at Kerry Baptist Grammar School when I was at Kerry Grammar. And he challenged me and challenged us to, he was looking for house parents for homeless teenagers that were studying. So we moved to Dallas or Broadmeadows. Any of you guys seen the uh, movie The Castle, which is in Coolaroo? That sort of area is, is where uh, this place was. It has three generations or more of unemployed people. Most people that did work there worked in the Ford factory when it existed. It had a very low socioeconomic. It had rough gangs. Um, in the area, and I really couldn't handle living in Dallas. I really struggled with the, the whole area and the depression and the lack of motivation and the lack of energy. So I actually rang a mate over here called Steve um, and asked him if there was work in Adelaide. And this is how we ended up in Adelaide. And Steve actually said, actually, I've got a job that's with me and it's working with kids on the streets. 
Uh, so in the southern suburbs for Mission Australia. So what we would do is on Friday nights and Saturday nights, we would go out with a team and we would talk to whoever was available, whoever was around, whether they're gangs, whether they're kids running away from home, or whether they're kids, and some kids would have their parents say, here's 300 bucks, get lost for the weekend. And so we were an element of trying to bring love into these guys' lives. As small as it was, it was just caring for them. Sometimes we give them rides home. They, sometimes we would protect them. We had a case at Hallett Cove where a kid had passed out drunk as a skunk and other kids were harassing him, weighing on him, and there was a car that was sort of revving its, its thing that if that slipped, it would have just ran over this kid without any trouble. We actually just said, look, we're going to take him home. We threw him in the back of the car and we got his mates to say, where does he live? And we brought him back to his home, to his parents. This was our work. The other work that I also did was also uh, through Mission Australia, housing homeless families. So down in Hackham, we had a group of 10 units I'll go back one. <laughs> yeah, those units there are in Hackham. Um, and we provided housing for homeless families. Initially, it was meant to be crisis accommodation, um, but we had a lot of trouble. When I first took over, well, there was 10 units there. Uh, six of them were totally damaged. That Instead of a wall being there, you could actually just walk straight through it. There was no walls. They were all kicked in. The windows were smashed. Um, we took on these families and we'll bring them there for six months, maybe eight months, and we'll try and find them either private rental or housing trust or community housing as an exit strategy. So I, I did that for five years and then ended up at GMP, uh, Global Mission Partners, as his business manager. When I was made redundant from uh, the Churches of Christ, I went back into the community housing sector initially with Lutheran Community Housing and then with Unity Housing. And that's my role now, is I am a property manager for community housing provider. So what we do is we provide houses for people who are struggling. So there are those who are escaping from domestic violence. There are those that are leaving prison. There are those that are homeless. There are those with mental health issues. There are those with disabilities. And we will provide accommodation for these people. Um, back in 2000, there was a change in government policy. So at one stage, housing trust used to be an alternative to home ownership. So if you were a working class, you could easily get into housing trust or community housing because it would be available for low income. Then there was a change of priority where it has to be the most in need. Because there is limited resources, there is a limited number of houses, we uh, need to provide for the most in need. And so you'll find that now most of our houses have people with multiple issues going through. So on the one hand, I love the fact that we're spreading God's love by providing these houses, even though the organisation I work for is a secular organisation. It's not associated with the church at all. But there's also another dilemma with it, is that 
We also require our tenants to pay their rent. We require our tenants to take care of the property. And sometimes some of our tenants can't do that. They struggle with that. They, particularly domestic violence where the partner comes back into the house and starts throwing bricks through the walls and things like that or fists or whatever and causing damage. And some of these tenants end up with these whopping big charges and we have to carry that through. And I really struggle as a Christian to say, hey, we want the best for you, but B, we can't afford to always repair it, so we have to on-charge to our tenants. So that's a bit about where I'm at. Um, as I watch this world and as I watch more and more, there is this bigger, bigger separation. There are those that have lots and there are those who have very little. And we, who have lots don't tend to care too much for those that have little. And so that's why I picked this picture, this particular Bible passage. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed to my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. When I look at Jesus' life as a king, he didn't stay in a palace. He didn't have servants running around for him. He left that and came and dwelt with us. He came to serve. He came to care for the poor, the sick, the troubled. You see him, he'll touch lepers where the religious people wouldn't even dare touch anyone such as a leper. And Jesus cared and he cared for those that were broken and those that were hurt. Where do we stand? Do we stand to love people or do we stand in our own selfishness? Now, now me personally, I'm caught in the middle of this. There are things that I really want to do which are purely selfish. And there are things that I really want to do which is the kingdom of God's stuff. Back in history, there was a guy called Henry Lawson. He was an alcoholic, agnostic. He didn't have much time for the church, didn't really care too much about the church. But he's an interesting writer. He's a fantastic writer. And if you ever read any of his writings, go for it. He's very good at describing people. So in this particular, I'm going to read a poem shortly, but he described this guy which he called the Christ of the never-never. And it was a, a particular person that went out among the poor, uh, among the rough areas. The never-never is the far western side of Queensland or the eastern side of the Northern Territory, all up there. If you ever go to Mataranka Homestead Springs, I think it says gateway to the Never Never Land. And it's all this bush scrubland. And when I used to fly up there, there's nothing. You can go for miles and there's just scrubland and you can't see anything. It's hot, it's dusty, it's very uncomfortable in some ways. 
So I just wanted to read you this poem from Henry Lawson describing this guy. With the eyes that are narrowed to a pierce, to the awful horizons of the land, through the blaze of the hot days and the fierce, white heat waves that flow on the sands. Through Neverland, westward and norward, bronze-bearded, gaunt on the track, low-voiced and hard-knuckled, rides forward the Christ of the outer outback. For the cause that will never relinquish, despite all the cynics on earth, in the ranks of the bush undistinguished by manner or dress, if by birth. God's preacher of the churches unheeded, God's vineyard, though barren the sod, plain spokesman where a spokesman is needed, rough link twixt between the bushman and God. He works where the hearts of a nation are withered in flame from the sky, where the sinners work out their salvation and a hell upon earth ere they die. In the camp or the lonely hut lying, in a waste that seems out of God's sight, he's a doctor, the mate of the dying, through the smothering heat of the night. By his works in the hells of shearers, where the drinking is ghastly and grim, where the roughest and worst hearers, worst of his hearers, have listened bareheaded to him. By the path through the parched desolation, hot rides and the long, terrible trance, by the hunger, the thirst, the privation of his works of the furthermost camps. By his worth in the light that shall search all men and prove A and justify each, I place him in front of all the churchmen who feel not, who know not, but preach. So Henry Lawson had a real go at the churches in many ways, but this guy actually impacted him. And so if you ever read, um, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the short story, there's a short story about it, um, about this guy, and it goes into depth about his character of caring for people that the world had forgotten. And he talks about one story where the drought-stricken land is covering and he's out there helping the farmers pull their cattle out of these mud bods, bowls and a piano-fingered parson is what he called them, so someone that doesn't do any hard work, uh, coming through and just saying we should pray for rain and this guy saying why don't you just come and help us, the farmers, pull their cattle out instead of just praying. He wanted to do both, is, is what it should be. So I just wanted to share that with you, that a bit about my life and a bit about being Jesus-centred is to be like Jesus, um, to be his hands and feet in this world. And I pray that each one of us can move closer to Jesus and serve him the way that we should.